listening to Here to Chew Bubblegum, recorded from a secret location in the city that moves mountains. Hello everyone, it is Sunday, and you know what that means, it's time for Here to Chew Bubblegum with Goose and Cronkite. Welcome to the show. Cronkite, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Goose, how are you? I am good, I am good. How was, how was your week? Ah, uh, week's been busy, it's been cold, but... It's been very cold. How did you like the snow? You know, I kind of liked it. Here, here's oh, one thing. Oh, man. You're, you're not well, one of those snow lovers. No, no, no. But what I will say is if it's going to be cold, I'd rather be something to look at. Yeah, but you can always get online and look at pictures of snow. <laughs> That's true. Well, like I said last week, I'm a shorts and Hawaiian shirt kind of guy. But it's, it's, it's a little change of pace. You need to grow the mustache out and have a uh, Detroit Tigers hat. <laughs> I definitely do. And, right? uh, you know. <laughs> If we ever go to if we ever have uh, uh, Halloween parties again, yeah, my uh, you need to dress up like and no, all. It's uh, Magnum PI. Magnum PI. Okay. So I could do that. Of course, you know you might make a good Higgins too. <laughs> I don't. I don't follow the show that okay, closely. <laughs> okay. Okay. I guess I'm showing my age a little bit there. Uh, but uh, something that we're going. Well, we'll mention towards the end of the show. We're thinking about doing in a few weeks a video blog of the Midweek Show to post on our YouTube page. And it will also be posted on the uh, Edge Studios YouTube page. What do you think about that? I think that's exciting. Um, you know, you all, you all will get to see my beautiful face mm-hmm. um, instead of just Goose getting to see my face. Well, you know, you know if no one's ever told you, 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 you do have a face for radio. Right. <laughs> so, you know, people's actually told me that before. So, But, uh... I hope you guys had a good week, too. We're going to start with some uh, question of the week responses. We had a huge response to this week's question of the week. Uh, I'm going to start out. uh, Our question of the week for this week, what are your predictions for 2021? And Nathan Day responded and said, more of the same, I'm afraid. COVID mask for a while, mass debate, political debates as we transition to a new president, Hopefully, uh, threats uh, returning to their former glory, and me finally tracking down a PS5 and Xbox Series X. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm looking for a uh, PS5, and I've oh, had no luck. You're not a PlayStation fan, are you? Yes. Oh. Why? Are you Xbox? Yes. Oh, my gosh, man. The only way to go. And and you also like Batman over Superman. Absolutely. I don't even see why we're doing a show together. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand how we're even friends. To be yeah, honest with you, I don't either. We're we're, <clears throat> we're going to have to do an investigation on that. Go ahead and read us one of the responses there. All right. So Yeats said, uh, starting around April of 2021, there will be many people who will long for the good old days of 2020. It's going to take a lot. For that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's going to take a whole lot for me to want to go back to 2020. <laughs> I agree. You know, the only thing I miss right now from this year is the summertime, summer weather. Yeah. Summer temperatures, that's that's pretty much that's it, it for me. That's it. Uh, a good friend of the show, Bobby Akers, said, some sort of contact, some sort of breakthrough with different dimensions at CERN. Uh, Bobby, thank you very much for that comment, and I would actually like to see that in 2021. Uh, go ahead. and. So Natural Philosopher wrote, um, there will be increased craziness until the till the solar event. You'll see more and more polarization of people into two groups. First, good people get better, and second, bad people get, uh, I assume, worse. Uh, it's you yeah. cut off at good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's, we've been very polarized the last few years. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, let's see. I'm going to butcher this last name on this next one. Mark Vazginski. 
Vaginsky. Vaginsky. Uh, he says, COVID-21, similar to Ebola, civil war, uh, end of the U.S. as we know it, stock market crash, and the end of uh, privatization of the Federal Re- uh, Reserve. Well, that is a doom and gloom. Yeah, that is a bummer. To, uh, yeah. Yeah. Carrie <laughs> <laughs> uh, Astorino, uh, Astorino, excuse me, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced it. Uh, more COVID, more shutdowns, thousands of stores, restaurants, and businesses, bankrupt- uh, bankruptcies, a declining economy, more homeless even in posh areas, rampant unemployment, many more needing welfare housing, SNAP food cards and public education system and its students in dire uh, failing distress. So basically, you know, so far, uh, the majority of our listeners are predicting a... Uh, Pessimists. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they're, they're predicting next year to be worse. Yeah. Me personally, I think we're going to start out the year pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this winter in our area may be a little bit rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as the year goes on into summer and to this time next year, I think this time next year things will start getting back to normal. <clears throat> and I said this on last week's show, I think, you know, we'll have to wear the COVID mask and do all the social distancing precautions uh, until this time next year. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see that. I mean, I, I certainly <clears throat> hope that there's not – um, a declining economy and and rampant homelessness. I mean, I hope I hope we start turning it around and kind of get out of this. Oh, I, I hope we do too. Uh, our next one, this one's short and sweet. It is from, and I'll probably butcher this name, Raphael Madeiras. The psychological warfare intensifies. Now, I don't know if he means with the government in general, uh, with the COVID, with you know. But his prediction, the psychological warfare intensifies. Hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, so Robert Van Dyke writes, uh, Asteroid strike, Atlantic Ocean, June 22nd. Two major volcano events, one mid-21 and one late-21. So he actually gave a prediction. Mm -hmm. What, June 22nd, an asteroid strike? June 22nd, that's very specific. Hmm. In the Atlantic Ocean. Robert, thank you very much for for that uh, for that response, uh, how come you got an easy name to uh, to read? Because I can't read very well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our uh, <clears throat> next one here. This is a little lengthy one. It comes from Greg Hamilton. Greg, we thank you for uh, listening and uh, responding to our question of the week. A few young people, half dead, to give a start. Dead through spite, he will cause the others to shine. And in in an uh, excelled place, some great evils to occur. Sad concepts will come to harm each other. Uh, Temporal, dignified, the mass to succeed. Fathers and mothers dead to infinite sorrows. Women in mourning, the pestilence she monster, the great one to be no more. All the world to the end. I'm gonna have to research that because that looks like that's 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 uh, Nostradamus, I think. Okay. So, Greg, you quoted Nostradamus. Thank you very much for quoting Nostradamus. Uh, I was reading that, and I had two thoughts as I was reading that. I've seen that somewhere before, mm-hmm. and I I think you're correct. That is Nostradamus. Uh, or and my second thought was, this guy's crazy. You know, <laughs> this is the kind of guy that leaves voicemails that right. we can't play. But. Uh, that, that was just a joke, Greg. Hope, hope you didn't take offense. Thank you very much for uh, answering our question of the week. So Randy Burt writes, uh, 
Well, according to Bill Gates, another pandemic. He seems to know more about this than he should. I've I've not really followed. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, I was uh, hearing and reading some stuff what Bill Gates said. Does he? It, it, is that true? Does he know more about this than he should? I, I don't. I don't necessarily know. I, I I'll be honest with you. The the media has made me crazy. I don't. I don't particularly like watching the news anymore. So. So. You were you were fine before this year? No, no, absolutely not. <clears throat> no, it's just okay. it's just come out a little bit more. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I, you know, there's very. I, I don't watch much television, mm-hmm. so you know what new stuff I do get. I get on my phone, and that's in our area, and then I have a world news one that you know I keep tabs on. You know, uh, I'm a. I think I might have mentioned it last Sunday. You know, I'm a huge fan of the Curse of Oak Island, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that is really the only thing that I set my DVR to right now and watch. Uh, you know, there was a time that I had my, I'd set my DVR to every Family Guy episode, you know, but uh, that, that's been quite a while. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to read this next one, then I'll hand you my list and let you read the last one. <laughs> uh, this one's from Dean Holly. The U.S. as we know it will be gone. China becomes a superpower and we become more third world. Uh, you know, that's also a doom and gloom one. I, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, if things keep continuing as they are right now, I could see where that may be possible. You know, similar, similar. You know, yeah. I don't think we'll ever be third world, but I think, you know, times will get tough. Well, China is becoming more and more... Um, superpower. More superpower. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they have the population. They're coming into the... the, the Technology, so to speak, uh, and you know, the trade with other nations. Or I mean, they're 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 doing it. You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're they're becoming a superpower. Right. Uh, this one comes from Marilyn McGinnis. Military tribunals, many arrests, many hidden truths are disclosed. The propaganda news is outed, and tr- and true news returns. Psychological, uh, psych- mm-hmm. psychological, <laughs> in demand for the ones who were brain- big words are hard. They certainly are psychologists. Oh, okay, ah, okay. sorry. In demand for the ones who were brainwashed, med beds brought um, out for public use. The worldwide rape trafficking groups are outed and finally stopped. Our lives finally get better after these m- monsters are stopped. A new entertainment organization has started that has nothing to do with Hollywood. A better, more wholesome group of actors and themes. Now, I actually, before I printed that one off, I actually read that one like four times. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it was first posted, I read it. And, uh, you know, as a general rule, you know, when somebody posts on our Facebook page or on this uh, message board that I post our questions of the week on, I always, you know, go back with, uh, you know, and I like it and I say thank you for your comment. And uh, she'd actually, after I thanked her for her comment, she posted a few more things. But uh, if I'd printed all that off, it would have been a whole page. And uh, but you know, thank you. Uh, what was her name? Mary? Uh, Marilyn. Marilyn. Marilyn McGillis. 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 Yes, sir. Thank you very much for your response to our question of the week. And again, our question of the week for this week was: What are your predictions for 2021? I'm going to ask you that question. What do you think will happen in 2021? Um. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I I really hope that we start to get better. This COVID thing, I think, is going to kind of run its course. Uh, they're already talking about vaccines that will mm-hmm. be available soon. Um, There's some questions about the vaccines that I've read. Oh, no. <laughs> so you, you've not. Now, uh, 
I can't remember. And I just glanced over this article quick, but I think it was the uh, Pfizer vaccine. Mm -hmm. That has a very high chance of making women sterile. And uh, then this other scientist had said that it would also could also make men sterile as well. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. That was I uh, read that yesterday. That's terrifying. Uh, so, um, are you going to get the vaccine? You know, I. It, yeah, I think so. Okay. It, it, it seems. I, I don't know. It's, unless it's you little, read and yeah, it makes you sterile. It's the lesser of two evils. You know, you know what I mean? You can always adopt me. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, that's pretty much. I'm grown. I clean up after myself. That's the best so. kind of kid to have. I, you know, <clears throat> I'm getting old. I'm, I'm, I am over COVID. And when they started talking about the vaccine at first, I was all behind it. <clears throat> I've done more reading on it, and I'm not sure right now. I'm fifty-fifty, you know. And uh, from what I've been told, uh, I was led to believe that the vaccine would last for one year. Uh, then somebody told me three months. Well, I asked people in the medical field that I know, is it going to last for one year? Is it going to last three months? Their response was, nobody knows. So if it would just last three months, that's going to buy me like a week, maybe two weeks, you know, of more yeah. protection. Uh, I'm going to do a little more research on it. Uh, yeah, I think I am too. Um, you know, it, it's... Uh but I mean, this is a this is a rush job. We yes, we, we yes. understand full well that this is a rush yeah. job. You know, the FDA they usually take around thirty six months to approve a drug. I mean, right. this has been less than a year. Yeah. You know, and so of course there are going to be some hiccups. Uh, not saying that that's okay, and not saying that that would be acceptable at all. But doing do the research, uh, you know that that's that's probably what's going to be the best now. Going back to the predictions for 2021, mm-hmm. Marilyn McGinnis made a good uh, a good uh, prediction that I kind of agree with. Uh, less Hollywood and more wholesome. wholesome. Here, here's here's my thing behind that. More people are, are starting to watch YouTube and watch do-it-yourself and how-to videos and, um, you know, following these uh, quote-unquote reality uh, reality shows, right. which is basically just them doing their job and, and people are enjoying these things. Um, or, or, you know, building cars or houses or, or whatever. Uh, I kind of agree with that because I'll be honest with you, a- anytime I turn my TV on, it probably goes to YouTube most of the time and mm-hmm. I'm watching some sort of video or, or somebody talk about something or somebody build something, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I could see that. Uh, I can too, and I'll, I'll give you a plug real quick. Speaking of how-to videos, uh, Luke Fugit, <clears throat> a friend of the show, uh, he's actually going to start posting some of his blog, and I think video blog, on uh, his page on the website very soon. Mm-hmm. And he actually started uh, maybe two weeks ago building a tiny house, and he actually has it under roof right now. Really? Uh, yes. Yes, he does. Now, to go along with what you said, the YouTube, I've been watching more YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been lately the past week, uh, I have found out that... Uh, CWA Memphis Wrestling is on Amazon Prime, and I've been going back to the 80s watching, you know, Dave Brown and Lance Russell. Uh, there's There's been some blowback, too. I think uh, the AMC theaters have got mad at Warner Brothers for putting the new Wonder Woman uh, 84 on uh, HBO Max. I've hmm. skimmed over that article. Uh, I do miss going to the movies. You know, that was something me and my son would do, like, Every Sunday, every other Sunday, 
I do miss going to the movies. The last movie I saw was, uh, and I guess it was back in the summer. There was only like four of us in there. And uh, it was uh, the new Bill and Ted movie. Mm, uh, good? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I liked it. I'm a huge Bill and Ted fan. I actually liked it and would recommend it. Yeah, I like the original. The, uh, you know, uh, I do miss the movies myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, me personally, I hope drive-ins make a, a comeback. I wish they would, too. Yeah, you know, going to the drive-in cool. was awesome, yeah, you know. I think that would be cool. But, you know, at the same time, it has been a welcome break, I, I guess, to be able to have access to everything. Everything yes. is streaming now. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, you can always contact the show. You can uh, call, text, leave a voicemail. The number is 606-373-3396. That's 606-373-3396. You can email me, goose, at heretochewbubblegum.com. Or you could also uh, email the man to my right. Uh, Cronkite at heretochewbubblegum.com. That's C-R-O-N-K-I-T-E. And uh, we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back with uh, Madman Markham. a subject that uh, Cronkite has prepared for us, and I will also give an update on the Paintsville, Kentucky train versus UFO incident. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, now, I'm looking, uh, forward, to I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading these and then telling my opinion on them, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward, forward to, to hearing yours. Uh, you're listening to Here to Chew Bubblegum, and we will be right back in just a moment. have a Roku device? Do you want to escape the everyday? Then download the Edge TV. That is the Edge TV on your Roku device, spelled capital T, capital H, number sign three. Let James, Stacy, Greg, and the rest of the gang keep you entertained. The Edge TV, available now on Roku. Are you a horror movie fan? Yeah, I dig horror movies. Are you searching for a great internet horror talk radio show to listen to? Why, sure, that sounds quite spiffy. Then you need to tune in to DeadPit.com. It's the original horror talk radio show. DeadPit is a show by the fans and for the fans. Uncensored and unbiased opinions are the goal of the show, giving fans honest reviews on new films and vintage classics of the horror genre. Make DeadPit.com your number one horror station destination. Be sure to check out heretochewbubblegum.com. And welcome back to Here to Chew Bubblegum. Our first story, I know you're, like myself, you're a huge Art Bell fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that have never heard of the guy we're going to talk about, his name is Michael Markham. He was given the nickname Madman by the late, great Art Bell. Uh, he first appeared on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on April 18, 1995. During that interview, like I just said, he was given the nickname Madman by Art. Uh, he also detailed his time machine. Okay, now this is a fascinating story, if you've not heard about this. 
Mark said he was initially trying to create a Jacob's Ladder, a spark that continuously travels between two metal rods. We actually made one. He used a laser from a CD player to produce the arcing, uh, but during the experiment, he noticed something strange. He noticed a shimmering effect above the arc. So he took a screw, threw it in, and it temporarily disappeared, possibly traveling only a second into the future. Hmm. So this got Mark wondering if he built a bigger Jacob's Ladder, what else could he do? What else could he throw in? Okay, so he decided to do this on a much larger scale. So he stole six unused power transformers from from a Missouri power station. <clears throat> okay, he built it, had experiments. His experiments started having power outages and blackouts in the area. So uh, eventually the police start investigating, uh, and they arrest Markham for stealing the transformers. Okay, his uh, the officer that arrested him and actually called in to the Art Bell show and told about this story before they actually interviewed uh, Michael for the first time. Uh, So, during his first interview, he tells Art that he's planning another experiment, but he don't have the parts or the money. So, listeners donate, okay, money, and he gets a warehouse, and, you know, he gets this machine, okay? So, his last interview on Coast to Coast... Uh, he told Art that he had his time machine built. It was a much larger and much powerful than the original. Uh, this one worked on kilowatts. Guess how many kilowatts he, he this one was designed for? Three million kilowatts. Wow. Okay, so instead of using a CD laser, he used that. Uh, he also used magnetic fields just like they used in the Philadelphia experiment. His reason, reasoning for that was that the rotating magnetic fields were more efficient. Okay, so Art requests Mike to notify him before he jumps through the vortex. And he said that he would. Okay, so, uh, let's see. Mike jumped from a cherry picker into 3 million watts of the Jacob's Ladder. He did this in 1998, and he disappeared. Okay, he woke up to find that he had been transported from Missouri to Ohio and he'd been gone for two years. Okay. Uh, For a while, he stayed in in Ohio doing odd jobs. Wow. Uh, But he can't tell you what happened during during that two-year period. Uh, I'll get into uh, the outcome of that in just a little bit. What do you... What do you think about? And you, you you've never heard Madman Mark. I've never heard of it. You have to go to YouTube and search I, it up because his first, second, and final interview are fascinating. That's crazy. I mean, like, so he he built this thing. Uh-huh. The only the only thing that he's done is thrown a screw through. Yeah, the the small one. Mm-hmm. Now, when he did when he built the big one before him jumping through, he was throwing guinea pigs in it. He was throwing baseballs. He was throwing bowling balls. He was throwing all kinds of stuff in it, and this stuff was disappearing. Now, the guinea pigs were the, and um, I think he said where they were smaller, they were coming up like uh, five to ten seconds later on the other side of this this big warehouse that he had. Wow. And they were totally confused and disoriented. Uh, I think he, I mean, he, he threw all kinds of stuff in this, you know. 
and he worked on it for weeks and, and mm-hmm. months and he jumped through it. That's yes, crazy. yes. He jumped through it and was transported from Missouri to Ohio. Now, I want, now, I want, now, now, I now why. him being in, in Ohio is actually docu- documented because he had amnesia for a while. Mm-hmm. For you know, until stuff started coming back, he lived in a homeless shelter. He did odd jobs. You know, after he got some of his memory back, uh, instead of trying to get back to Missouri, he stayed in Ohio. You know, and continued doing odd jobs. Well, now I wonder why it, he he transported from Missouri to Ohio. Do you think it has something to do with maybe the Earth's rotation, the way he was gone? That's that's and then, that's uh, that's interesting that you say that because that's exactly what I kind of think. Hmm. I'd have to look at it, but I wonder: did he the the location that he reappeared? Are they in a straight line together? I've not looked be, at that, but it, it would probably be like. Uh, up up a little bit higher on a map, but depending on so, what time of the year it is, the yeah. earth, the earth the yeah. wobbles. Now, you know. and, and I don't know what time of the year that that he did that, but that's, uh, that's wild. <laughs> his last appearance on the Art Bell Show, which was Midnight in the Desert, was on September fourth, two thousand fifteen. Uh, he was still living in Ohio at that time, uh, and it the it was almost twenty years after his first interview. Okay, uh, since then, through my investigation and it's really hard to track down where he's at now he actually moved to uh hawaii Mm -hmm. uh he said that when he went back to missouri you know it was two years later you know uh everything was gone all of his videos all of his research he wasn't able to contact anybody because there was about 30 people according to him that witnessed him do this and He's not been able to contact anybody hmm. to get the video of this event actually happened. None of his research, everything's gone. He said that he did uh, have how to do it in his head, that it came back to him. Now, there is a rumor that did circulate uh, that somebody did say that there was a 1930s newspaper article from Phoenix, Arizona, that said a man wearing unidentifiable clothes was seen wandering the desert outside of Phoenix with third-degree burns of his body. And for a while, people thought that before he reappeared, that that could have been Michael Markham. That was not. That's a rumor. There was also a second rumor uh, from the 1930s from an Orange County, California newspaper that pictured a uh, pictured a man found dead inside a crushed tube, holding a strange strange object that could have been a cell phone. Hmm. Uh, that one is also a rumor. That was not uh, Madman Markham. Like I said in in uh, 2000. Uh, 15, he still lived in Ohio, and uh, I think around 2018, he moved from Ohio to uh, uh, Hawaii. And that is the story of Madman Markham. Now, I find his story fascinating. Absolutely. If he's listening, please call us. We would love to talk to you. On the uh, message board that I post on the website, uh, he has posted there in the past, but it's been quite a while. It's been about two years. Uh, so, uh, like uh, Cronkite said, if you are listening, please contact us. If you are a time traveler, mm. uh, contact us. You know, we, we would love to talk to you. We have so many questions for you. We'd love to pick your brain, for sure. All right. Now, I understand you have a story that you're going to tell us about. <clears throat> so, you, have you ever heard about the Rendlesham uh, UFO? I have, I have heard of that and uh, uh, researched it just a little bit. I'm not into it as much as you are. Well, they call it the uh, uh, UK's... Roswell, Britain's Roswell right. is what they call it. So in, in late December of 1980, 
There was a series of reported sightings of, unexpe- of unexplained lights near Randlesham Forest in Suffolk, England, uh, which have become linked to the claims of UFO landings. The events occurred just outside of the RF- RAF Woodbridge, uh, which was used at the time by the United States Air Force. Uh, USAF personnel, including Deputy Base Commander Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt, uh, claimed to see things they described as a UFO sighting. The, current, uh, the occurrence is the most famous claimed UFO events uh, to have happened in the United Kingdom, ranking among the best-known reported UFO events worldwide. So the story goes, uh, on December 26, around 3 in the morning, mm-hmm. um, a security patrol near the east gate of the RF, RAF Woodbridge saw lights apparently descending into a near, the nearby Rendlesham Forest. These lights have been attributed by astronomers to a piece of natural debris seen burning up as a fireball over southern England at that time. Servicemen initially thought it was a downed aircraft, but upon entering the forest to investigate, they saw, according to Halt's memo, what they described as a glowing object metallic in appearance with colored lights. As they attempted to approach the object, it appeared to move through the trees and the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy. One of the servicemen, Sergeant Jim uh, Penniston, later claimed to have encountered a craft of unknown origin while in the forest, although there was no publicized mention of this at the time and there was no corroboration uh, from other witnesses. Now, is is this the one where they actually have the uh, audio uh, recording? Yes. Okay. This is okay. this is the one, uh, and and you know it. This article, of course, you know they're going to try to downplay play it off, it. downplay it as yeah. a hoax or whatever. But there is a document, a very very good documentary out there, and I cannot remember the name of it for right now, but I will find it and I will give it to you next week. Uh, that talks about this in detail. There is no way that this was just a piece of debris that was burning up in the atmosphere. There, there are Because it actually flies back up. It actually flies back up, and there are scars on the ground from where this thing was hovering or had landed or whatever. So it says, shortly after four, uh, local police were called to the scene but reported that only the lights uh, they could see were the, uh, those from the Orford, Orford Ness Lighthouse, some miles away on the coast. After daybreak on the morning of December 26, uh, servicemen returned to a small clearing near the east, eastern edge of the forest and found three small impressions on the ground in a triangular pattern, uh, let's see, as well as burn marks and broken branches on nearby trees. At 10.30, the local police were called out again, this time to see impressions which they, they thought could have been made by an animal. Uh, so then on December 28, mm-hmm. the deputy base commander... Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt visited the site with several servicemen in the early hours of December 28. Um, they took radiation readings of the Triangle of Depressions and in the surrounding area using AN-PDR-27, a standard U.S. military radiation survey meteor. Although they recorded a point zero seven. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Looks like somebody didn't check <laughs> their work before they started the show. Something went to... Uh, yeah. yeah, so basically... I, I'm, like I said, I, I have actually... I've, I've researched this a little bit, and what I think that's fascinating by this is, you know, you had a farm next door, like mm-hmm. you said, and the animals were, were were going... I mean, that's that's one of the common things 
when a UFO is reported close to a farm or livestock, that the animals just get unruly mm-hmm. and and kind of go berserk. Uh, <clears throat> I'm 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 fascinated with uh, with uh, that one as as I am Roswell. Mm-hmm. Here's a quick nerd fact for you. Okay. When was the first documented UFO case in the United States? Oh, it was in the 19, 1900s? Eh. <laughs> 1897. Really? In, uh, I was uh, close. <laughs> Aurora, Texas. A uh, unidentified craft crashed through a water tower on property that was that was owned by this judge. Oh, yeah. Now, this was pre-flight. This was pre-Wright Brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first uh, uh, recorded uh, unidentified Flying object crash. Yeah, they put the debris down a well. Yes. Uh, and um, the, the farmer later in life developed such severe arthritis. arthritis. Yeah. And was, didn't they? And I think they filled the well in too with like concrete, concrete and stuff. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, you had a homework assignment last week. I'm going to get to that. It's one of my news stories. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's one of my news stories. Okay. Uh, so, um, so they were they recorded a point zero seven uh, recording. It was made by Lieutenant Colonel Halt, uh, Halt during his investigation. In nineteen eighty four, a copy of what became known as the Halt tape uh, was released released to UFO researchers by Colonel Sam Morgan, who had then succeeded Ted Conrad as Halt's super, uh, superior. That was the audio tape. That was the audio tape we're talking about. What <clears throat> What's your takeaway of all that? I think it absolutely happened. Uh, you know, I think I think it absolutely because. There's another story about um, uh, the the Minuteman missiles in um, I think it's Montana or South Dakota or something like that. Now I've never heard of that. Uh, so in the '60s, it, I mean their their machines went crazy and were were going to launch these nukes. Uh, Maybe I have heard of that. And it was they say it was caused by a UFO. I'll, I'll do I'll do a story on that. I'll, I'll, I'll find I'll, a story yeah, I yeah. actually have heard of that. Yeah. Uh, so around all of these military bases. Um, and 1980, part mm-hmm. of the Cold War, you know, it makes sense. And you know that who knows what they had. It's a, it's a, it's an Air Force base, right? You know? I mean, well, I mean, if if you were an alien, and and uh, that's kind of debatable there, okay. uh, and 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 you came to this planet, what would you check out first? Would you not check out military bases or people that? You know, have the capability of shutting of shooting your craft down. Definitely checking out the defenses for sure. You know, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, getting back to the one in Texas real quick. That was 1897. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the first reported document case. Okay, and that was pre-flight. Mm-hmm. All right, you've had the government come up recently, and we talked about this a little last week. And I don't know why I'm get going off on this, but. You know, for people that think, you know, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not, you know, people have their beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, and they have the right to believe what they want and uh, hats off to them. You know, no, I'm not saying they're little green men. Uh, I think it's possible. I think there's a couple of things that have been unexplained. And uh, when I was driving into Bunker Studios this morning, I was thinking about last week's show a little bit. And... Uh, you know, we were talking about the government keeping a secret, and they would have to let it out. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the majestic twelve members are passed away; mm-hmm. they're dead. Yep. Okay, and I think that the government now 
that's why they're wanting to let stuff out slowly because they don't want somebody just to blurt it out. And, you know, like I said, the lie's been on long enough. Just go ahead and, and let us know. I mean, I think people can handle it, you know. Like back in this April, it seemed like nobody really cared, you know. I think people could handle it more now than they could back then, a hundred years ago, for sure. Because um, we have better technology. <clears throat> absolutely, and you know, we we have more technology. We have been basically warmed up to the idea that there are other there there is other life out there, right? Uh, by a series of you know Hollywood shows, um, astronomers and and scientists that are telling us, hey, you know. The galaxy or the the universe is is huge. Right to, to, to think you know, that we're the only and, ones here. You know, is nuts. It, it goes back to last week, nineteen eighty five. Reagan wrote in his diary that our shuttle capacity could orbit three hundred people mm-hmm. thirty five years ago. That makes you wonder what why? it is today. Well, yeah, yeah it makes well, you wonder why? why, but it makes you wonder what it is today. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. And and I've always kind of believed that there's two sp- two space programs going on. There's the one that the public sees mm-hmm. and the one that the public doesn't see. I agree. So, okay. Uh, w- one more quick thing uh, on the Rendlesham. Um, so interestingly enough, around around this this area now, uh, in 2005, the Forestry Commission used lottery proceeds to create a trail in Rendlesham Forest because of public interest uh, and nicknamed it the UFO Trail. Uh, so in 2014, the Forest Service commissioned an artist to create a work uh, which has been installed at the end of the trail. The artist states the piece is modeled on sketches that purportedly represent some versions of the UFO claimed to have been seen at Randlesham. Wow. I would love a, to go see this. That's it. Okay. <clears throat> our next story uh, was one of our most requested stories. Uh, we're doing an investigation. The investigation at this point is not closed. It's still ongoing. Uh, I'm going to give a brief recap. Uh, I'm talking about the Paintsville, Kentucky U-Train versus UFO. At 2.47 a.m. on January 14, 2002, while working a coal train en route from Russell, Kentucky to Shelbyana, Kentucky, our trailing unit and the first two cars were severely damaged and struck by an unknown floating hovering object. Um, the writer of this goes on to say that alarm bells rang. Uh, that's when they saw the object that were apparently scanning the river for something. At least three objects had several searchlights trained there. The first object hovered about 10 to 12 feet above the track. It was uh, metallic silver in color with multiple colored lights near the bottom in the middle. There were no windows or openings of any kind that you could see through, and it was 8 to 20 feet in length and probably 10 feet high. Uh, basically, uh, after they hit the object... Uh, it damaged some of the some of the trains and the objects vanish. So they pulled into the Paintsville train yard at 5:15 a.m. Uh, huge overhead lights were lining the yard, and it was normal and it was noticeably dark. And the only lights came from what they assumed were railroad official vehicles parked near the end of the track. They pulled to a stop and began unloading their grips and the wounded. And uh, they could hear what sounded like an army of workers immediately tending to their train. They heard vehicle doors slamming, guys running in weird outfits, lights glaring from all directions, and uh, one thing was missing was railroad officials. The writer goes on to say that a guy named Ferguson shook his hand and asked him to follow him to the old yard office. They did, and uh, 
they had no idea who these people were, and they began answering hundreds of questions. Uh, he asked the road foreman. Uh, he asked repeatedly to talk to his road foreman or train master, master, only to be told no, and they took his cell phone. Hours later, they were read, led out of the uh, yard office, and strange things continued to happen. The two locomotives and two cars were removed from the rest of the train, and uh, parked four tracks over under a huge tent. They were led off the property. And due to national security, we're told that their silence will be appreciated on this matter. Uh, okay. When they actually go back through that area, uh, less than 12 hours later, there's nothing there. No evidence of anything. Okay. And the guy that wrote this did not give his name. Okay. So we have, through the open records request, uh, messaged some agencies. This first agency, I'm not going to give their name. Uh but they did respond. Uh, I'm going to read both of these, then I'm going to ask you what you think about them. Okay. Okay, the first one goes, Dear, what my surname is, we have received your open records request and can't find any information on the incident that you described happening on January 12th, 2002, around 2.47 a.m. Please be advised that any records over five years old are archived at our headquarters in Frankfurt. Below is the contact information and address to aid in your open records request. Okay, that was the first one. They couldn't find any information, but anything over five years old is archived. That is totally understandable. Sure. Uh, that does happen. I, I, I know the procedure of, of that, and I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. All right, the second one is a response from CSX. Now, this one, the way that they worded this, I find this kind of interesting. <laughs> okay. Your records request and Freedom of Information Act online that you highlighted, and I guess that might have made me look bad because I did a request and printed off Freedom of Information and highlighted, you know, uh, dated October 28, 2020, has been forwarded to our records department. While we cannot confirm or deny the incident described in your request, please keep in mind that the recent pandemic Our turnaround time is four to eight weeks, and we are sending you this letter to keep you informed that the information you requested is being contained. Basically, they sent me that response, so I would know that they're attempting to do something. Right. Now, what I find interesting there is they say they cannot confirm or deny the incident. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, that is a good thing because Mm -hmm. they didn't tell me no. They didn't tell me yes. To me... That reads to me like, and I'm, and, and, and this is just my opinion, okay? You could take it with a grain of salt. I think something did happen on that day. I think so. Because, uh, you know, and and I guess it might have made me look like, like I was trying to be, you know, an a-hole <laughs> by including a paragraph and highlighting in the Freedom of Information Act. Right. I, I didn't do that to be an a-hole. Mm-hmm. I did that because, you know, we're doing an ongoing investigation. Sure. Now, they didn't deny this. And when you email these people or mail these people, you know, you, you, you can do both in today's time. They, they encourage email now due to the COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody in HR, even if they didn't work there in 2002, you know that they've heard about this. Okay. To me, this sounds like they're buying time. Mm -hmm. And they sent me this response because, you know, they want it to be within the 10 business days. And they they can either confirm or deny it, but they're looking into it. Mm -hmm. So I am looking forward 
to seeing what else I get from CSX. Well, that'll be exciting. Uh, yeah, I would, I would love to see that. I hope, hope maybe there's names. That'd be nice. Uh, honestly, if that th- that would be awesome if there's yeah. names. Okay, now it depends on how their policy's written. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's an ongoing investigation, which I mean, it's 18 years ago. It's if it's still ongoing, that means it's unsolved. If it is classified as ongoing, we will get a bunch of replies through the mail, not email, but through the mail, possibly through email, but they'll, they'll be blacked out. Mm-hmm. Or they will give us the standard, uh, this case is under investigation, we cannot uh, release any details on this, it is ongoing. We'll get something like that. Okay, but that makes me wonder, you know, what what they have. Well, and... So it said that the train cars were damaged. The engine, mm-hmm. two train cars, and a tra- uh, the en- one of the engines were damaged. But it didn't say anything about the damage to the, to the craft. It didn't crash. It didn't destroy no, yet. It just no. they just left. Yeah. So you've seen a train. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen a picture of this train supposedly. Now the train numbers are blacked out. Some people don't think this happened. Mm-hmm. There's there's more, and then there's a lot of people think that it did. Okay. I'm leaning towards, I think this happened. Because first, the story, when you read it, in in depth, I just gave the highlights, is so well explained. Yeah. You know, that's clue number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's writing it out like, all right, first, it, it's so well explained. And it's, to me, the format that it's wrote is like something that you would write if you had to do a report for CSX. Now, I'm not saying he typed a report out and then copied that, but to me, you know, if he had to do an incident report, I think it's going to sound very similar than what is posted. And while you were reading that, um, while you were reading the original story, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what I was thinking. This sounds like an incident report. Yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like. Um, but, But what I was going back to is you've seen a train. Yes, you know how thick the steel is on those things. Very. If it damaged two train cars and an engine, an engine, how, and it didn't, the, the, the craft still flew off. You yeah. Know, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. what is that thing made of? <laughs> uh, definitely. Definitely. You know, that's. Uh, There's nothing, nothing man-made that we have. No. That could survive an no. impact of a train. Nothing. No. But, you know, it, it, and, and, and I'm, you know, uh, it's sad that I couldn't report more. That's what we still have, and it's still ongoing. Uh, the first agency that I didn't name, I'm, I'm going to reach back out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting something in the mail, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Those, both of those were emailed responses back to me. Uh, and I, and it seems like, you know, they want to do that more right now. I guess they're afraid of handling mail and stuff. But, uh, those were both emailed, but I look forward to getting to, to getting more responses. And uh, uh, again, the the second one from the CSX. You know, I think they're taking this serious because they mentioned where I had put that article in there and and highlighted, mm-hmm. you know, from the Freedom of Information Act. And so, you know, they, they're either doing that because they want me to think they're really taking this serious, or you know. They may be listening to me right now. Right. So, you know, I'm looking forward to CSX's legitimate 
legitimate response, response. Not, yep. not just a hey yeah we'll, we'll get to you when we can kind yeah. of thing you know i'm looking forward to hey yeah maybe this happened maybe it didn't i don't know we'll you find know. out in 48 weeks yeah so <laughs> and if they don't contact me back i'm going to contact him again highlight it again so you know and i've got this date marked in my planner so uh that is it uh we're going to take a break and come back with cronkite and news you're listening to here to chew bubblegum and we hope you're enjoying the show we'll be back in just a moment Are you a horror movie fan? Yeah, I dig horror movies. Are you searching for a great internet horror talk radio show to listen to? Why, sure, that sounds quite spiffy. Then you need to tune in to DeadPit.com. It's the original horror talk radio show. DeadPit is a show by the fans and for the fans. Uncensored and unbiased opinions are their goal of the show, giving fans honest reviews on new films and vintage classics of the horror genre. Make DeadPit.com your number one horror station destination. Now time for the news with Cronkite on here to chew some bubble gum. It's time now for the news. And a meteorite worth $2.48 million crashes through a roof of an Indonesian man's home. Uh, a 33-year-old man from North Sumatra, Indonesia, found a steaming hot meteorite just outside his residence one afternoon after it crashed through the roof of his house. The space rock, which weighed 2.1 kilograms, turned out to be worth around $1.85 million in the U.S. dollars. Uh, according to the Daily Mail. A coffin maker was working when the rock landed by his home on August 1st, 2020, sinking around 15 centimeters into the soil. Uh, he told uh, the media compass that the meteorite was still warm when he dug it out of the ground. The space rock is, is estimated to be around 4.5 billion years old. According to Lunar and Planetary Institute in Texas, U, uh, the United States, the meteorite is classified as CM Carbonaceous uh, Crondite, an extremely rare variety. Due to its rarity, it's worth around eight hundred, or I'm sorry, one hundred, one thousand one hundred forty-nine dollars per gram, uh, making his rock worth around one point eight five million dollars. Uh, let's see. He uh, he didn't originally want to sell it. I don't believe. Uh, so according to the meteorological bulletin, uh, he didn't. He told one of his sons not to sell the meteorite. Uh, the coffin maker was reluctant to sell the meteorite at first, believing it to be a sign of good fortune for his family and village, selling only a small fragment of the meteorite, which broke off after a few days, weighing around 94.2 grams. Uh, however, by mid-September, he decided to sell off the rest of the rock uh, to three separate dealers who later t sold them to collectors. BBC Indonesia uh, reported that he received um, $19,000 for the meteorite and an extra... Uh, 14 million uh, to repair the damage of his roof. Now I'm assuming these uh, these these wild numbers. I'm assuming this is um, in the the native uh, you know the local currency. The 
these numbers, the, the only thing that I could find in the U.S. numbers was 1.85 million. Um, so the coffee maker, he plans to use a portion of the money to build a church in his community. So this is, uh, this is an interesting one. A scientist discovered a one in a million super earth near the center of the galaxy. Uh, the world is now one step closer to an interstellar-esque expedition. Astronomers have discovered a new alien planet with the same size and mass as Earth, termed as Super-Earth. The astronomers at the University of Canterbury have discovered a new one-in-a-million planet located toward the center of the galaxy. This planet, named OGLE-2018-BLG-0677, is one of just a few planets similar to Earth, that have been discovered. <clears throat> the planet's mass lies somewhere between Earth and Neptune, and it orbits at a location between Venus and Earth from its parent star. NASA describes the super-Earth as up to ten times more massive than Earth, uh, but says that may vary. It says that says they may vary in composition from water worlds to icy planets um, to ones made mainly of gas, due to newly discovered planets host stars. Uh, having a smaller mass than our sun, the planet would have a year of approximately 617 days, uh, noted the researchers in a study published by the uh, Astronomical Journal. The planet was first observed in 2018 using a telescope in Chile and later through three identical telescopes in Chile, Australia, and South Africa. So the planet was discovered using a technology called microlensing, uh, with Dr. Herrera Martin, the paper's lead author, describing the discovery as incredibly rare. The microlensing effects is, effect is rare with only about one in a million stars in the galaxy being affected at any given time. Furthermore, this type of observation does not repeat, and the probabilities of catching a planet at the same time are extremely low. We use te uh, telescopes distributed around the world to measure the light bending effect, said Martin. So that's kind of neat. So this next story um, is kind of an ongoing story. I'm sure everyone has heard about the monolith. The first one was in Utah. The second one was in um, Romania. There is another one. And since since the beginning of me trying to put these news stories together, there has been a second one reported as well. So less than two weeks after authorities stumbled across a mysterious metal object standing freely in the Utah desert, just days and just days after it disappeared, a similar monolith has been reported nearly halfway around the world. Residents in the Romanian city of Piatra Niemt say they have found another odd item that could have been ripped from the set of 2001 A Space Odyssey. The local newspaper says that the, the monolith, like the one discovered in Utah, is about 10 to 12 feet tall and apparently composed entirely of a dimly reflective metal. Uh, it was reportedly found standing uh, on the... Mm. Batka Dom Domine Plateau near an archaeological archaeological site overlooking the city. Journal FM, a local radio station, recorded video of a purported object revealing an eye-aching sheen and looped markings along its surface. Now this is interesting, Goose. So this this one in Romania is different than the other three that are out there right now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this one had some sort of design, some sort of texture on it, where the others are completely smooth, smooth surface, completely just just a piece of metal. Metal. Yeah. So this one has some sort of designs on it. Now, um, there is no reason to panic for those who think there are still life in the, 
it's still life in the universe. Uh, the mayor of Pietra Nimt, Andrew Carablanca, said, uh, equipped with, according to translation by the Independent, the statement was posted to Facebook after the discovery surfaced on Friday. My guess is that some alien, uh, some alien, cheeky and terrible teenagers left home with their parents, UFO, and started planting metal monoliths around the world. Uh, first in Utah and then Pietra Nymph, he said. I am honored that they chose our city. <laughs> well, <I mean. laughs> um, so we're going to move on to the next one, which is uh, another mysterious monolith appears uh, this time in California. So uh, Atascadero, California, maybe 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 three is the magic number, but we've learned recently that it's not. Uh, a third mysterious monolith appeared Wednesday, this time on a hill in Atascadero. Uh, a nearly 200-pound stainless steel structure found at the top of Tascadero's Pine Mountain in, uh, is welded and riveted, similar in design to construction to a metal monolith discovered in the Utah desert. However, unlike the Utah monolith, which is fairly secured into the sandstone, the Tascadero pillar is not fastened to, into the ground. It is the second co- uh, copycat structure to appear since the team of biologists counting bighorn sheep discovered the first metal structure on November 18th in what was an undisclosed area of southern, uh, southeastern Utah. Hmm. So we're going to move forward now. Okay. So yet another mysterious monolith has, a, has randomly appeared in another corner of the world, and this time it's in Pittsburgh. Oh, that's not and far away from not us. Not at all. Uh, so CBS Pittsburgh reports that this new seemingly metal structure was found outside of Grandpa Joe's candy shop in the city's strip district. Who or what erected the structure remains unknown. What was the name of the candy store again? Grandpa Joe's Candy Shop. Hmm. Uh, the first strange monolith appeared in the remote desert of Utah. We've just talked about that. Uh, let's see. Several days later, the monolith disappeared without a trace. Uh, the Utah monolith was the beginning, but not too long afterwards, another monolith was spotted in an archaeological dig in Romania. This one had, uh, had, car- had carvings all over it. Uh, now, is the, the one in California, is it still there, or has it disappeared? To my knowledge, when I looked at it this morning, it was still there. Okay. Uh, so now we have two, one in California and one in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, whoa, hang on. So the cause of, so California's did, did disappear yesterday. Okay. So the cause of the California monolith's disappearance was more earthly than not. However, the structure was allegedly torn down by a group of young men seen dismantling it on via, uh, via an online video. So it is, it, So basically what we're looking at here is Utah was, uh, they are, there were two people, uh, nature lovers, who, who right. said that they, you know, you pack in, you pack out what you pack in. They tore down the monolith of Utah. Uh, the monolith in California, these people are just, Turn it down. So you're supposed to be turning it down. Right. Uh, so each structure has been estimated to be 10 to 12 feet tall. What is exactly compromised of is anyone's guess. As of writing this report, the monolith of Pittsburgh has yet to disappear. Now, with these things popping up, mm-hmm. nobody, uh, this is interesting, each structure has been estimated 10 to 12 feet What it is exactly comprised of is anyone's guess. Who is taking these? The, the Utah were two... Um, Two people who, who, well, there was actually four of them, but two came forward. Right. Uh, that they said that, you know, you pack in, or you pack out what you pack in. So they, they are just 
Nature, nature lovers is what, okay. is what they are. Are they yeah. saying that they put it there, though? They're not saying they put it there. They well, just that's what they it sounds like to me. Out. You pack out what you pack in. Uh, so. the, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it could be. Uh, I, it's it's a weird situation. And you know, if it is if it is just a bunch of copycats, stop it. You know, yeah. Because yeah. Let, let if it's if it's UFOs, let it keep going. Come on. <laughs> I'm totally right there with you. You know, when I first started hearing about this, where they would pop up and disappear, pop up. Yeah. Like by the third one, I thought this is like the guys years ago dressed up like clowns. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. All right. So my final news story it kind of goes hand in hand with the homework that you gave me last okay. week. So the truth is out there: UFO sightings are up this year. There has been a significant increase in sightings of UFOs in 2020, both here in uh, both here in the nation and across groups uh, across the world, according to groups who track such events. One of them is MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which has 4,000 volunteers around the world who also investigate UFO sightings. Um, the group is featured in the Netflix docuseries Hangar One, exploring their archive and database of UFO encounters around the world. Um, in Minnesota, where this article was written, uh, MUFON has 80 volunteers who have documented about 1,226 encounters UFO sightings in the last 20, uh, 20 years. In just about every corner of this of Minnesota, this year there have been 99 sightings so far. Uh, so that is what roughly that's what roughly 10 percent. Yeah, in, yeah. In one year, for over the last 20 hmm. years. Uh, so Tom Mayer, the Minnesota director of MUFON, whenever we get a case that is reported, we are always kind of looking at at that. Um, is there a nuts and bolts phenomenon here, or is it something else? We have people who, uh, we have people with a specific background, people with military background, and your average person who has their daily job. Sightings have trended up from the last decade. In the last 20 years, 2015 had the most sightings at 114. Only 6% of the MUFON cases turn out to be hoaxes, but have perfectly logical explanations. <clears throat> now, with that being said, my. And and this is all right. So this this is one last part of the article. I'm okay. So is quarantine to blame? Right. So we kind of think that because we're all bored. Uh, okay. No, I mean, yeah, I, okay. you know, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, there's a lot of skeptics to say that quarantine is to blame. The right. people are just getting bored. They're looking at you know, their phone too much, and they decide to look at. I, I'm with you right there. I think that's BS. Yeah, I mean. People you know, never get tired of their phone. <laughs> and, and even skeptics say, and this is something I don't get about skeptics. They say, show me the proof. Yeah. The proof was out there in April. Yeah. It was shown. <laughs> yeah. That is proof. Uh-huh. And when you have the Pentagon saying, we have no idea what this is, this is not man-made. That is proof. Mm-hmm. But you still got people that don't that that that, that don't believe that. Yeah, there, are, there are a lot of people who live in their comfort bubbles yeah. and are afraid to... These people don't like change. And, and, and there's you know. nothing wrong with that. I don't like change. I don't think anybody likes drastic change. Not drastic change, not at all. But the I guess to upset the the mindset that... The mentality. The mentality that... I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound mean. I guess. Right. But, but, you know, You're not so, going to sound mean. Uh, you know. The reviews, uh, views expressed by Concrete. Cronkite are not views of Richard Wilkins. <laughs> I'm just joking. With you. Just, just, just go ahead and say it. Uh, you know, I, it just seems like you don't want to upset the mindset of thinking that you aren't the only one in the universe, which is kind of narcissistic in a way. It's, you know, and I and I, I think it's very narcissistic to think that you're the only one here. You know, and and to 
to topple that mentality, I think, would bruise a lot of fragile egos. I didn't mean to be mean. If you're one of those fragile egos, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't think you were mean. Uh, so going hand in hand with that last article, uh-huh. um, my homework assignment was what. Um, what season has what the season most UFOs? Has the most UFOs. So it's not as easy as we a, thought it as would be. as that. It turns out that, that there are several um, there are several things that go into uh, you know account when when you try to figure out where and when more uh, such as Alaska. Alaska has uh, twenty four hours of daylight certain times of the year and twenty four hours of nighttime certain times of the year. So. Um, Population goes into effect. Regional seasonal weather goes into effect. Um, daily and seasonal activity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the time of day. So if it's morning, noon, or night, or you know, what what level of pollution is in the air at the time. Um, basically, you know, there's no definitive answer. There's no definitive well, answer. With them being no definitive answer, I'm gonna go ahead and say I was right. It's summertime. No, I'm gonna say it's uh, wintertime. Uh, I I'm gonna say summertime. No. When it gets so. dark at five, I mean, you can see more stuff at night. Well, yeah. but I mean, I, I hate that it gets dark at five. Uh, me too. So. We're going to take a short break, come back with the James Smith interview. Then we'll be back after that interview to close everything out and give you a new question of the week and tell you a little bit about what's coming up on uh, next week's show. Mm-hmm. You're listening to... Here to ChewBubbleGum.com. Uh, and if you have a news story or you want something that, uh, that I... A story that you would like to hear me to report on, please email me, Cronkite, here to chewbubblegum.com. We'll be right back. Do you have a Roku device? Do you want to escape the everyday? Then download the Edge TV. That is the Edge TV on your Roku device, spelled capital T, capital H, number sign three. Let James, Stacy, Greg, and the rest of the gang keep you entertained. The Edge TV, available now on Roku. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here to Chew Bubblegum. We have a very special guest on the show. Uh, he is an actor, uh, writer, author, uh, founder, one of the founders of the Edge Studios, and also paranormal investigator. I'm, I'm talking about James Smith. James, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Goose. How you doing? I am doing great, buddy. Uh, over the covid uh, getting back in the swing of things. I'm still a little bit weak, a little bit tired, but I'm, I'm batting about 70, 75%. So one day at a time, one day at a time. You've got to keep pushing until you get to 100. Oh, yes, uh, exactly. People in our audience may not know, I actually met you through uh, independent film business. Um, how did you get started in uh, independent films? Well, it was about 2008. I believe 2007 and I had written my third script in my life and <laughs> I had let family and friends read it and they're like, you should really try to do something with this. Well, growing up in Kentucky, you don't think you can do anything with it. You know, you always hear, well, if you want to do stuff with movies, you got to go out to California. Uh, but then I caught wind of uh, the, uh, there's a, the actual independent film community in Kentucky And so I reached out to uh, Frankfurt, uh, who gave me a few phone numbers to a couple of the local guys. And that's actually how me and Greg Brock 
met, who is one of the co-founders of the Edge Studios. Um, so, you know, we've been together ever since then. Uh, he helped me film my movie, uh, Shoot the Moon. It was a, a mafia tale in Kentucky. Um, and it just, it just went on from there. Well, great, great. It is, uh, how do you tolerate Stacey Gillespie on the show? Be honest. It's very difficult. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, Stacey, I, that, and the, the beautiful part about it is like, I met these guys, Greg and Stacey, who, you know, we founded The Edge together all those years ago. And we just, we formed this bond during Shoot the Moon. I'm, it's when I met both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy just came over to uh, fill in for a, a spot as an extra, uh, bring a, a strip club scene, actually. And so that's how we met, became best friends because I got him a free dance. So, right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, I have watched some of the videos on the edge. What, what is up with Stacy and the uh, blonde wig? Stacy and what? The uh, blonde wig that he has on him when he wraps those. <laughs> you know, when it comes to Midnight City tonight, you know, we, we always kind of try to surprise each other whenever the cameras come on. Right. And so that's one of Stacy's things is to, to grab a wig close by. And I've done it a couple of times on the show. Or uh, one time I actually showed up in a suit with a blonde wig and, and glasses. And uh, so Stacy will pop on a wig or just do something out of the way. And sometimes he acts like his screen is frozen. He'll just sit there perfectly still. And you think that his screen's yeah. frozen. It irritates the crap out of him. He does it on purpose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely sounds like Stacy. I've known Stacy since probably 2004, maybe 2005. Long time, and uh, Stacy's a good friend of mine. Um, I really Do you know my story. pain? Oh, yes, definitely. definitely. <laughs> uh, a really funny story about Stacy. Me and him were going to a Halloween party once. I think this was in 2006. So I go to his house. He lived on the on the outskirts of Lexington in Georgetown at the time, um, in a little uh, apartment building. I think it had like four or five apartments. So I get there, go in. You know, I traveled up from where I live at, so I use his restroom. He dressed up like a woman. So that was what his costume was at this Halloween party. The ugliest woman I had ever saw in my entire life. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, well, I'm going to go back out in the truck. Just let me know whenever, you know, uh, just come out in a few minutes. So when he comes out, he's trying to lock his doors. Now, he lives in a place. He lived in a place then where his neighbors were very nosy. So I turn the headlights on bright, and he's standing there trying to lock his doors. And I lay on the horn which draws his neighbor's attention. And he and he gets into my truck, and he looks at me, gives me the dirtiest look I've ever got, and calls me some bad words. But I am laughing hysterically. Uh, and that's one of my many Stacey Gillespie stories. And I'm sure you I have several, too. My favorite, though, is we were filming a, a movie in Louisville, Kentucky, and we all had rooms at uh, – I wanted to say it was a Marriott or something like that. Well, anyway, in the morning, we all met down for breakfast. And Stacy really wanted some waffles, but they forgot to put the tap on the waffle batter machine. Uh-huh. So Stacy's like, well, I think I can unscrew it and get enough out in time and then screw it back into place. <laughs> and so he attempted to do that, but the cap shot completely off and went down in the cup. And then <laughs> all these gallons upon gallons of, of waffle batter is just spewing all over the place. I was, I couldn't help. I was laughing way too hard yeah, to even try yeah. to help him at that. <laughs> I could, I could definitely. 
every time I've messaged Stacy, I'm not saying in a few years, but I'm like, hey, let's meet somewhere and get something to eat. He always, every single time, 100% of the time, says, let's meet at the Waffle House. I mean, he he loves the Waffle House. He does. Uh, as a uh, fellow writer, uh, can you explain to me, when you write a script, how it feels to be on set? All right, you're you're filming a scene, you film the scene, you go back and you look at the footage, and you see, you know, in front of you what you wrote and what you envisioned in your in your head brought to life on the screen. What's your feeling uh, that you take away from that? Well, I tell you, usually it comes to me with the finished product when I finally am completely happy with it because I'm very peculiar. If I write something. I've always said that, you know, I'm putting a part of me into it because anything that you read, whether it's a script or one of my novels or a short story, there's something personal about my life that is hidden within the story somewhere. And so I'm very, very peculiar about how I want something done, how I want an actor to say their line. So I'm very hands-on. And a lot of them, well, actually, everybody seems to really enjoy that, whereas other directors are simply just, oh, looks good, let's go on. No, uh, if it doesn't, if, you know, if, if just one word seems out of place to me, you know, I, but I won't, you know, uh, tell them, hey, do it like this. I'll actually show them exactly how I want them to right. say something. So you actually um, take the time to direct. Yeah, yeah, I get, <laughs> I get really down in deep. <laughs> well, you know, uh, some projects, though, like I, I've been hired to write numerous other scripts, and, and with those, you know, it's just, whatever the people want. Uh, and right. so I really don't care when I see that finished product. Um, not as much as I do my own personal stuff. No. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's like, uh, it's, it's like a holding your baby for the first time sort of thing. Cause you you've brought something in your head completely to life. It's actually a very magical thing. People don't really look at it the way they should look at it. And that is, from your head, from your thoughts, from your own creativity, wherever it may come from, views or whatever, like you breathe life into it, which is why I won't work with people that just won't finish their projects because obviously you're not as committed to it. Um, So, yeah, it's it's breathing life that you've created something. And it's really beautiful. And whether or not it turned out as good as you had hoped for because, let's face it, lack of funding will do that to you. Um, <laughs> so yeah i mean in the future i would love to redo some of the old material just to see how much better it could be right if it plays out in my head the way i originally thought it to be because that's how i write i will not put down the very first word until in my head i have it exactly how i want from beginning to finish right and i i i, I totally understand you know from being in independent films in the past how, you know, uh, to me it was always sacred to write a script and to then have it brought to life. I mean, that's like opening yourself up for somebody to see inside your mind, you know, mm-hmm. when it turns out exactly like you've written it. And uh, to me that was always magical, and you even used that word. You know, that that was a great feeling, you know. Even, like you said, you know, on a, on a small-scale uh, film, you know, even if it might not be the best, you know, I mean, it, it, it was still magical to me, and it was just something that, you know, I'm a private person anyway, and I know you are too. You don't put a lot out there, but when you do that, you open yourself up. And, you know, when it turns out like you pictured it and, and pictured it in your mind, 
uh, to me, that's just one of the greatest feelings in the world. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And see, to me, and I, I don't know about to you, but I can take a look at somebody's work, and I can tell you whether or not that they're in it just for the fun of being in it or if they're actually doing it because it comes from someplace deep down inside where they're right. putting themselves into their work. Because if you read anything that I've written, if you've read any of my scripts in the past, rather than whether or not they got made or whatever, mm-hmm. you'll know that I am a stickler for dialogue and character development. You know, because that's where your story comes from. Exactly. And, you know, so, but then you can watch other movies where there's hardly any dialogue or it's, you know, it's apparently been written by a third grader. And <laughs> that's when I know that people, that they really haven't put much thought into it. They've probably put more thought into uh, some of the, the bigger scenes. Like, let's say if it's horror, they've thought more about the killing than they have the actual people. Exactly. Uh, the, the, the story. I need a story. I can't mm-hmm. just have, you know, senseless nothingness on TV. Right, right. Well, you, you uh, mentioned, you know, that, that, that people do it because it's fun. It is fun. But on the other hand, it is a lot of work. You know, it is a lot of work. You know, and, and, and it is very time-consuming. And you have to be dedicated, you know. I mean, uh, I have one feature film under my belt. I have several short films under my belt. Uh, I'll probably never do another project of my own. I wouldn't care to be in somebody's project, but as far you know, and, and, and my mind could change with time. You know, I, I may come back because I'm at a different point in my life now than I was back then, and I may come back and be like, I want to do a feature film. You know, that's not at the top of my list right now, you know, but it is a lot of work, but it is fun uh, to do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it's very time-consuming. It's very... It, it, <laughs> Well, let's just be honest. It, it can get on your nerves. It can make you want to quit and say, I never want to do this stuff again. I've been there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dealing with people's schedules and then people just not showing up and deciding mm-hmm. they just want to drop out for whatever reason. Um, it gets irritating after a while, and you just kind of want to throw your hands up and walk away from it and say, you know what, I'll revisit it if it, if it ever gets uh, more professional, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Right. Uh, and when you're dealing with independence, that's very hard because you are dealing with people who have low to no funding. Right. So they're not able to pay people to be there. And so you got a lot of locals, uh, actors and actresses that, you know, I completely understand. You know, I'm wanting you to drive three and a half, four hours away for me to film. You know, there's got to be something. Mm-hmm. There has to be something. And a lot of times there's not. Right. You know, and that I'm not, you know, because I've been in that situation. But, you know, I've, I've tried to uh, always make up for anything uh, by making sure people have places to, to stay, um, food to eat, and, and everything right. like that. Uh, we've always been really good about that. But I have been on set where I was a writer for a movie once. This is no joke. All I did, they paid me to write the film. So I wrote the film. Well, then the guy said, well, I want to pay you to come on the set and basically direct it. You know, he's like, ah, you know, I'm going to do the camera shots and all that good stuff, but I want you to talk to the actors because you, you know exactly what you're trying to say and blah, blah, blah. So I go, I'm like, okay. So I go on set. We're on set for four different days. I had to pay for everybody's food. I had to pay for everybody's lodging. It sounds like you were a executive producer on that set. 
somehow, yeah, somehow I got stuck as executive producer. <laughs> but if it hadn't been for me, these people would have driven. Some of them were completely out of state. Uh, one girl, right. I think, was there from Florida. Right. So, that, I mean, you're talking about 18, 12-hour drives, if not more. Uh, well, I think he, I think he spent his budget flying her in. Honestly. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. You know, and, and I always, you know, uh, when I first got into it the first couple of years, you know, people did it for free, but I always had their meals and I always had lodging. And uh, probably, I guess, the last project that I did, I always took care of meals lodging and gave them a little bit of money. You know, but uh, I've not did anything film-wise probably in 10 years, you know, on mm-hmm. on, on my own, you know, and I have no plans to. Uh, I do miss the uh, uh, being uh, creative. Uh, and that's what I like about here at Bubblegum. You know, it gives me a chance to, to be creative, and, you know, I know I can count on me, if that kind of makes sense to you. Oh, no, I can I completely understand, because, as you'll know, we took a step back. We haven't made – we haven't released a full film since, I think, Point Pleasant, and that was in 2011? Right. Or 2012, something like that. Right. Um, but then it, we, we went we, – we, we attempted it. On several times, we we attempted to come back and, and make another film. What had happened though was, and I you know I kept telling them, we need to come back when we are fully fully ready, because you know the excitement of getting back into it is what led us to try to get back into it. But I still knew we wasn't ready. We needed we needed bigger budgets. We needed newer equipment, all that good stuff. Right, I can I yeah. can totally understand that. So we took a step back, and then we just, you know, we redesigned ourselves as far as the Edge goes, and became the Edge Studios, and it just kind of took off really quick, and we were able to start getting money for budgets and putting money to the side, and and things are working great now. So, right. well, that is awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Now you mentioned that you have uh, had novels, uh, novels and books published. What was your first book that you had published? My first book was actually, it's called High Ambitions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was published in 2010. Um, it's uh, It was very controversial at the time, and then it just became more controversial as the years went by. Uh, so I actually wrote... The, uh, so in today's time, it would probably hurt people's feelings. Well, no, it, the book <laughs> isn't necessarily meant to hurt people's feelings so much. Um, I actually wrote the very first draft of this book when I was 15 years old. Right. Um, and I actually got in trouble for writing it in high school. <laughs> <laughs> they they had me up in the principal's office. They, because uh, the the book is about um, these, these four friends in high school. It's their last a uh, bit of time before their graduation and they just, you know, they get fed up with um, constantly being picked on and whatnot. And they decide to give revenge against the people who made their everyday school lives, a, you know, a very right. bad time. Gotcha. Um, and so of course, when the book was first picked up and published, it was getting banned in several cities. Um well, I should say local towns, really. Right. Uh, not local towns, but just towns in general. Uh, one of them, I remember, was in, out from out in Oklahoma. And it was all because a kid had the book and had it in his backpack, and his mom found it. 
one day in his room, and then she, I guess, read the back. If she had read the book, she would have understood that the book is completely different than what people can convey just from reading the back of it. Right. Gotcha. The book doesn't glorify violence at all whatsoever. The Mm -hmm. book is actually meant as uh, hopefully a deterrent. If you have some poor kid out there who's actually contemplating that, they could read that book and they could could see that regardless of anything, there's no good outcome at all whatsoever. But there is different options and there's different things that you can do out there. Um, so, so yeah, the book got banned for a while. And then, um, my publisher, uh, I regained the rights back, uh, after seven years. And so I just kind of tucked it away for a while, but then the people at Amazon contacted me, uh, right after the, uh, school shooting that happened in Florida a couple of years ago. Right. And they wanted to re-release the book. And I told them, I said, well, you know, uh, under two circumstances. Number one, it has to include the original ending because my original publisher didn't like my original ending because they said it was too dreary. So they they optioned for the happy ending, which was I was totally against because there is no happy ending when it comes to that. Right. Um, but I didn't have to say so. But I told Amazon, if you let me include the original ending and then – you know, I've already made my money from this book. So my royalties were set up to go to the victims and the families affected by that particular shooting. And the, the book sold well. Parkland, so. that was the name of it. That, yeah, Parkland, there you go. That is awesome, man. I, I had no clue that you that you did that. That is awesome. I mean, that sends chills on the back of my spine. You know, you don't find people that that give like that, you know, to, to help people. There's a, there's a lot of critics out there and people that get their feelings hurt, but somebody that takes action and steps up to the plate, that's a very rare in uh, today's day and time. And I thank you for that, my friend. Well, you know, I, it was, like I said, I, you know, I had made, I have, I feel like I made my money from, from the original publisher. And uh, I knew that the book I was hoping that on a re-release, especially since they were letting me include the original ending, that hopefully it would help more. You know, hopefully people would read it. And even if you were affected by that horrible tragedy or any, any tragedy where this has happened all across the world, uh, hopefully it would, it would maybe help a little to understand why these things happen and try to prevent them from happening again. And it's really very simple we just cloud our minds with all this other crap around us instead of focusing on what the true problems really are. Right. So, well, uh, uh, yeah. How many books have you wrote in total now that's been published? I have seven that are published. I have uh, two novels, which is High Ambition. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first one. And then Room 110 is a psychological thriller. And we actually attempted to make the movie based on that. And somehow along the way during editing, the editor lost a bunch of tapes, and um, so that really sucked. Yeah, I've, but, I've, I've had that same situation happen to me before. So yeah, that is seven that was pretty books. terrible. I, I had no clue. Seven books. That is. Are, are those all available on Amazon? Uh, yeah, I believe maybe six out of the seven. And if people go to my Amazon author page, there for some reason. 
there's a lot more books than what I have actually written because somehow, somewhere along the way, Amazon has let some other James Smith put like two or three of his books on my author page. (laughs) (laughs) So all I can tell listeners is if you go to my page, you should easily be able to tell because, you know, my cover art is phenomenal, whereas this other is just, it's plain cover art. Right, right. Well, I'm going to be updating my website soon, uh, probably before this interview even airs uh, in next week's show, and I'll uh, get up with you when we're off the air and try to provide some links to, to your Amazon page and so forth. And uh, I appreciate that. Well, you're you're very welcome. Um, so you are are also uh, a paranormal investigator, correct? And and you started like one of the first ones, what in East Kentucky. Uh, yeah, the, it was actually the first in eastern Kentucky, and, uh, well, I, I don't know how far over when it came to West Virginia, but they're kind of right there on the border. And, right. So, how, uh, no, how, we were, I'm sorry. Oh, you're, you're fine. How did you get started in that? Man, I have been obsessed with ghosts and things that go bump in the night since I was a little kid. You know, I, I grew up in the greatest times in the world where Ghostbusters was on Saturday morning cartoons, and it was also a great movie that everybody talked about all the time. And so my love for it, my interest for it came from that. And, of course, Unsolved Mysteries came along, and, you know, that just made me dive deeper into it. Uh, And when I was in grade school, I went to the library one time, and I found this book called Mysteries of the Unexplained. And it it was a huge book. It was a really thick, um, almost like an encyclopedia. Right. And I checked that book out religiously. From the time that I found it in like fourth grade until I graduated that place uh, in at eighth grade. So, uh, but yeah, I I had it out constantly. Love that book, and um, you know, I just I was just fascinated with it. So I actually studied it. I didn't just you know go out with my friends and run and scream at every little bump or or, or something like that. Like we actually researched uh, as much as you could back in those days before Google. Um, so, so that, that, uh, we actually—that's hard in itself, right there. Researching without Google. Oh, exactly. I don't think I could do it anymore, to be honest with you. But, um, but no, we uh, so we, we got recognized. We were on a, a radio show there uh, in Pikeville, Kentucky, actually. And from there, it kind of blew up. Uh, we got asked to speak at a college in Logan, uh, West Virginia. That was fun. Um, and then we got interviewed and was part of a book about Mamie Thurman, which is a very popular ghost story in West Virginia as well. Right. Um, we had a, a, a little news segment. It aired throughout the month of October. Uh, it was called Ghost of the Coalfields, and we had news teams that followed us around on several different investigations and stuff. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, of course, time went on. Um, I experienced a few things and I kind of stepped back a little bit, uh, as far as going out with people, with other people. Um, and I don't know, I guess I just kind of focused on other aspects of life because the one thing I can say about the paranormal is if you let it, it will take over every aspect of your life. You know, um, um, I actually had uh, somebody else, uh, I did an interview with somebody else uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, John, and uh, he was of the Bods Mayhem Hour, 
and uh, he actually said something along those lines too. So that that is, and then that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when you said that just then. Uh, but it's I, very true because these, yeah. I mean, you 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 end up eating it and dreaming it, and you know, just everything. It becomes every part of you. You start obsessing about death. You don't really care about the living anymore. Like it, it can get really really bad if you right. let it. Right, right. So uh, change you up just a little bit. The Edge Studios uh, is on YouTube and it's really taken off. Uh, First, where did the idea come from? And second, what can we expect from the Edge Studios in the future? Well, the Edge has been around for, like I said, ever since me and Stacy and Greg came up with right. it all those years ago, um, which I had always wanted to be a part of a, a, a sketch comedy group. Mm-hmm. I grew up, um, you know, loving to watch shows like The or the State. Right. Uh, they, they're actually my favorite comedy troupe. Uh, the widest kids you know, kids in the hall, all those great things. And, you know, it just looked like, it looked like a bunch of friends just goofing off. Right. And so, I, you know, I thought to myself, what better way to spend your life than just getting paid to have fun with your friends? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there's, there, I mean, I used to do stand-up comedy. And if there's one thing from the past that I would ever love to do again, it would be stand-up comedy. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it in the near future due to the uh, COVID-19, but that's something that I would like to do again, you know. I tell you, you know, I'm, I had always wanted to. Uh grew up loving stand-up, con- uh, stand-up comedians, Andrew Dice Clay, people like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, with today's society, I would be too scared. Well, you know, I... It's, it's so I, tricky. You know, uh if 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 people can't take a joke for it being a joke, you know, that's on them. I mean, people that know me know that I have a big heart. I'm there for anybody, you know, family, friends, strangers. You know, I'm not the type of person that does something and then I get on Facebook and post about what I've done. You know, that's not me. I don't do that. Uh, you know, in my heart, I know uh, what I believe and, you know, you can make a joke without making fun of somebody. And if somebody gets offended for that, I think that's their own fault. That's that's just my take on it. Well, yeah, of course. But you see, we live in a world of – honestly, it wouldn't be so bad if these people who do not owe anyone an apology would not apologize. Exactly. I'll never apologize for telling a joke. Right. I'll never apologize for telling a joke because it's a joke. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And I don't care how much, you know, people want. Uh, you don't want the road we're going down. Because no. the road we're going down, I can see a future of nothing but blandness where everybody's having to wear, like, tan colors and not speak words at all whatsoever. Right. Um, out of fear of offending people with any other offset uh, color or theme or scheme. You know, it's, and I, I'm not going to fall for it. And that's what the that's what the Edge Studios is really about. So what we did was, you know, we we have a love for what entertainment used to stand for. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care what anybody says. The greatest era of movies, television, and music came from the '80s and '90s. I will argue to death over that. You can't beat 
the movies of the 80s. You just can't right, do it. You know, you had some in the 70s that was pretty good. You had the original Texas Chainsaw Master. Uh, that one was pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah, that, you, the late 70s. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You know, you had yeah. Last House on the Left. That one was pretty good. Um, you know, that rocked a lot I, of people's I, world back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I am a a kid of the 80s myself. I'm, I'm far from a kid, but I'm, you know, right there with you, you know. Uh, the 80s were the best for that, you know. And so, you know, that's, okay, <laughs> it's, it's going to be kind of hard for me to explain, but so something happened back in January of this year to me. Um, you know, if anybody, if you ever see a poster or you watch a movie or you see an old toy from when you were growing up, you you feel that sense of nostalgia. Nostalgia is a very powerful thing. And I was able to grasp that feeling and hold on to it. You know, I can I remember how I felt when I was a kid walking out and 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 looking up into the night sky and how how big and vast it was, but it was you know, it was something that you could shoot for. When we were growing up, and there was all these uh, retro wave uh, posters and stuff. I mean, they had the grids and the neon cities and everything. And it was supposed to be a utopia. And it was just a, it was a, a reflection of what it was like when you were a kid and the world was still at your fingertips. But something happens as we grow older and we lose that sense of wonder and we just get stuck with what we call reality. When it all, you know, like I said, we just, we lose what made us us. But I found that again. And I, I really feel like if everybody else was able to find that, they would all be a lot happier. You would, all these cases of depression and anxiety. I think that people have just lost what made them them along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that people are yearning for that. Because if you take a look at what's happening now, and I've actually noticed it more since we redesigned the edge into this retrowave synth wave uh thing. Uh, our actual business model is is named after our show, uh, which shows the Midnight City business model. And so basically what the Edge Studios is now is we're working towards becoming a solid streaming platform like Netflix, Hulu, but completely free. So more like Tubi. Um, right. but we're creating our own content. We're creating our own movies. Uh, we're creating our own shows. We still do our podcast show, which is now a video podcast. So it's basically just a, a series now called Midnight yeah. City Tonight. Um, and then, but we're broadening that. So we know what it's like to be an independent and make your movie, even if you just made it for fifteen dollars. But to have that love that you actually went out there and you made sure it got completed, you know, we are becoming a place where you can showcase that. We will showcase anybody's work absolutely free. If you're a musician and you just have songs, we will actually put together a music video for you and put you up on our on our platforms so people all across the world can view your music. They can listen to you. They know how to subscribe to you. Everything's linked back to your social media, back to if you have a YouTube page. Um, and these people make money through us, whereas 
if they just start a YouTube page, they're going to have to wait to hopefully beat all that criteria that YouTube makes you jump through just to become monetized. Exactly. You know, we've already done we've done the groundwork, so now we want to help everybody else while they're getting their uh, fan bases built up. So basically, what the Edge has become is this huge place where people can come and be entertained for hours upon hours. It's an escape from reality. It's a place where you can go and you can watch any kind of movie you want. You want drama, we have it. Romance, we have it. Horror, we got it. And not just independent movies. We have mainstream movies. So if you go to our YouTube page right now, because the Roku and the Fire Stick, they're still under construction, mm-hmm. so they're not fully released yet. Um, so when the apps are ready to be released, then you know that's just more money for these independent artists as well because they're going to be getting money from our YouTube account plus money from the actual apps. So, we know, because, especially when COVID hit, people are not entertained. And I'm really thankful to all the actors out there, the A-listers who have, you know, who been from their own home trying to entertain, trying to keep people entertained. Right. Um, But (laughs) The Edge is also a place where we don't allow anybody to talk about politics. We don't allow people to talk about religions and, and, and no arguments. It's a place of peace. Right. You know, and, and, and that's the same of ours. Uh, Cronkite joined me for the show for our, uh, episode five today throughout the show. It was a two-man show, and I love doing it, and you know, we even talked in there, you know, not mentioning politics, but some stuff that might possibly happen next year. And, uh, you know, I, I value every listener that listens to the show from the United States to the newest listeners in Australia. I value every single one of them. Um, you know, we have got some listeners that have left voicemails, several voicemails, and you can tell that these guys are out there. I mean, you know, they're they're nuttier than a fruitcake. And uh, but I'm but I'm still <laughs> glad they listen to the show. But when you call and you leave a voicemail ranting and raving about politics and stuff that makes no sense, I'm not going to play that on the show. You know, if you wanted to talk about politics, you're calling the wrong show. You need to call Fox News or MSNBC, you know. Um, <laughs> I totally is, agree. That is a great thing that you guys are doing at the Edge Studios. My hat's off to you. Uh, you recently shot a video of the night sky. It was amazing. You actually sent it to me. Uh, Facebook Messenger before you posted it. Uh, tell me a little more about that. Uh, what do you think that that was? So here I am. I'm, I'm down in Florida. I'm visiting family for Thanksgiving. And it's about, it's a little bit after midnight, and I go outside for a cigarette, you know, one of my mini vines. Right. So I'm standing outside, but, you know, here it is mid-November, and I'm standing outside in 70-degree weather at midnight, so I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I just happened to look at it. It was very cloudy, very cloudy. Um, but I could notice where the moon was because, where, you know, I could see the light coming through the clouds. And so I'm just looking up, and I happen to see it looks like this huge black shadow just dancing in the sky back and forth around where the moon was. So basically stating I'm looking at a cloud. Behind the cloud is some weird object, and its shadow is being cast by the moon down onto the cloud. Now, whether or not that's what it was, I, I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. 
but it amazed me. And, well, you know, I have done a little research on that prior to you sending me that video, and I think I even told you, you know, that uh, some UFOs can camouflage yourselves or they can blend in, you know. If you want to see a cloud, you'll see a cloud. If they don't want you to see anything but sky, you'll see sky. If they want you to see them, you will see them. Uh, and and I, I have watched your video, you know, from the messenger probably five or six times when you posted it online. I've watched it probably 20 times. I honestly think that that was – I don't think that that was environmental. I don't think it was a, a, a gas. I don't think it was a weather balloon. I think that was a UFO or a UAP, you know. You know, I I really don't know. I had a lot of people that commented on the video, and they're like, is it the flag? Is there is there a spotlight on the flag, and the flag is dancing – in front of that and cause them a shadow. You know, well, the first, my first response naturally to that was there's not a, you know, bat symbol strength right. anywhere around here, <laughs> you know, but then I went ahead and I took a video of the flag in question showing everybody that there's not any light source around that flag at all whatsoever. Plus, if you actually take the time to watch the video, you can judge from where, like the positioning of the flag, I don't care which way you try to shine a spotlight, it would not be at that angle that it is on the cloud. Right. Okay. So, but now I've told people, you know what, whether or not somewhere beyond the trees, beyond that tree line, there's another flagpole with a really big shiny spotlight. I don't know. I've never been back in that neighborhood. Well, but you have to look, though. If that was shining from behind that house, you could see the light from the, from the spotlight coming up from the ground at some point. You know, and you would think, you know, yeah, you know, and and I didn't see that in your video. Uh, not counting the video, uh, have you ever saw a UFO? No, uh, unfortunately not. And I'm an avid stargazer. Uh, you right. you've seen on my personal Facebook, I, you know, I'm posting pictures of the because now you can see Jupiter and Saturn and Mars every night in the sky, and I'm, I post pictures all the time. But so, and I always have been. I've always wanted to see a UFO, right? But I just never did. You know, okay. or at least I don't think that I right. ever did. I, I right. saw some things, you know, like some green lights or something, but I kind of dismissed them as maybe it was just a comet because those happen. Yeah, you know, yes, and, they, do. and they don't really get reported. We just had one that uh, came down over Japan a few hours ago. They got video of it online. It's beautiful. Right. Um, so that was the first time, and you know, I stood out there. I watched this thing for about an hour. And then I went inside, and I actually I had some family members up, so they came outside because I was like, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. And so they came out, and they watched it with me, and they're like, I have no idea. So in all my 38 years, I've never seen anything like it, and that's why I don't know what it is. Right. Well, um, what are your thoughts on Roswell? Did you think it was a weather balloon or a UFO crash? I think that UFOs have been coming here for ever since the dawn of man probably you know there's way too much uh when it comes to egypt when it comes to the pyramids and the uh, the writings on the wall they got spacecraft you know mm-hmm. and then some of these great paintings from the past that have ufos in them and um so i think they've been coming here forever what happened in roswell of course that had to be from another planet and they covered it up and it's so kind of easy sit back and watch them choke on their own bullcrap. 
Right. Because right. a lot of the things that they say, they will contradict themselves constantly. Mm-hmm. Or it sounds so simple that it's dumb. Yeah. Well, you know, well, that was being, a weather balloon. You know, people have seen weather balloons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, me and, and me if and it's Cronkite, a weather balloon, why are you keeping people away from it? Yeah. Me and Cronkite were talking today, you know, about, you know, I mean, it seems like everything. There was a story I pointed on, uh, pointed out from 1993 from the Louisville uh, Police Department helicopter versus UFO, and people said it was a balloon. And then he reported about the Battle of Los Angeles and saying it was a balloon. And I told him, I said, you know, I had no idea people, we we had that many uh, weather balloons or balloons going up, you know. And if if you're going to let a weather balloon off, I'm I'm not a uh, weatherman. Looks to me like you would do it in the daytime. You wouldn't do it at night, you know. You you wouldn't do it at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning, you know. My argument towards the whole weather balloon thing is – even back in the 50s or whenever – when did Roswell happen? Uh, 1947. 40s, okay. Yeah. So even back then, our military, they're not dumb. They have you know, they have radar. They have this. They have the other. It's the military. It's not regular people. So when you have a play in the, like the, the Los Angeles thing, when you have – the military out there shooting at something, not, they would know if they were shooting at a weather balloon. Yeah, yeah. It's the military. <laughs> yeah. so if that was the case, no Zeppelin would have ever been safe back in those days. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, do you believe that aliens exist? I guess you've already answered that a little bit. Yeah, you know, to me, honestly, my, my, and my argument towards anybody that says that aliens do not exist, that we're actually alone in the universe, that is like... If you took a little spoon and you went to the ocean and you got a spoonful of ocean water and you said, there ain't no sharks in my spoon, so there's no sharks in this ocean. Right. That's exactly the way, you know, how could you ever believe that? For whatever reason, the universe exists, whether it's, you know, a religious, if it's God or, you know, it's the Big Bang or whatever you want to believe in. Um, there is no way that one little teeny tiny dot is the only place in that vast area above us with life. How could it be? That makes a, zero sense. That's the exact same thing that I've been saying, too. Uh, our question of the week this week, uh, what are your predictions for the year 2021? Man, can, can anybody have predict Like, who thought this was coming? Who thought 2020 would have ever happened? And it just keeps getting weirder. Yes, yes. You know? Does. Like that whole monologue thing. I'm sure you've been following that story. Right? Yes, the monologue. yes, yes. Conrad, so, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Cronkite actually uh, did a report on that today, but missing. Then he clarified it that, uh, you know, or that it was found and that it went missing. So. Yeah, uh, and now, well, well, just before we got on the phone here on YouTube, they went live in Romania where this thing, now there's, now there's one in, in Romania that just popped up. Really, that is looks the exact same as the one that was in Utah. So of it's course just they're now popped here. up. Yeah, so they're, now they're on YouTube saying, "Well, it disappeared yesterday, and now it's here today in Romania." Hmm. Because if you look at it, it looks like it was dropped. Right. You know, in, yeah. in Utah, it was actually cut into the ground. But those pictures in Romania that they're showing right now, it looks like it was dropped and just like 
because the the earth around it is all over the place. Like it right. blew up type of thing. Now, you know what? Very well, very well could be just art exhibits. I get that. And I, I'm not dismissing that theory at all whatsoever. But when your only argument to me is because it has rivets, so you mean to tell me that you honestly believe that if aliens do exist and they're able to have all this technology that's greater than ours and they're able to get around in their spaceships and go wherever they want to, you don't mean that they don't rivet things together? Right. Got some kind of magical magnetic well, force you know, to hold them? <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Come on. The, uh, because the, uh, it's got rivets in it. The uh, pictures that I saw of it, I didn't see any rivets. It looked smooth and well put together to me, you know. And, I mean, but I have no clue. You know, that is interesting. I, I think you told me that it popped up in Romania. I'm sure Con- uh, Cronkite will be doing a uh, story on that. Well, uh, James, I want to thank you very much for being on the show. Again, ladies and gentlemen of Here to Chew Bubblegum, we've been talking to actor, author, founder, one of the founders of the Edge Studios, and paranormal investigator James Smith. James, is there anything that you want to the, that you want us to look forward to in the meantime, or plug anything? By all means, take it away. Well, please, please, by all means, go to YouTube and search the Edge Studios. It's T H the number three. Edge Studios, and you'll be able to find it. It's the only one spelled that way, and that's the reason we spelled it that way. Uh, <laughs> um, there's uh, there's hours upon hours of content from mainstream movies to independent, great independent stuff. We have great independent musicians. You'll find uh, different uh, musical playlists. We have country, we got bluegrass, we got rock, we got all kinds of stuff. And as far as movies go, we got every genre you can imagine. We have some of the greatest animation. It's like taking you back to Saturday mornings. So go ahead and just get you a bowl of cereal and sit down and, and watch for hours. Um, so please do that. Visit us on our Patreon site. Uh, every every little bit helps, as you know. <laughs> well, we will we will uh, when I when I update the website, I'll definitely be adding a uh, link to that. I, I usually do that every week. I've not actually did that in probably two or three weeks, but I'll be doing that very soon. But thank you once again, James, for being on the show, and I look forward to having you back sometime. Well, thank you, Goose, and uh, keep doing it. Great work. Great work. Well, thank you, brother. You have a good night. Again, that you was too, uh, James Smith with The Edge Studios. That's The Edge, spelled T-H, number sign three, The Edge Studios. Look them up at YouTube.com. You're listening to Here to Chew Bubblegum. If Abraham Lincoln were alive, he'd listen, but he's dead. And we're back. I want to thank James Smith for that uh, exciting interview. Coming up on next week's show, we will feature Richard Miles. Uh, he is a spiritual healer and psychic medium will be our special special guest on the show. We also have a new question of the week for this week. Are you, are you ready for this one, Cronkite? Well, let's hear it. 
This week's new question of the week, what is your favorite urban legend? If you have an answer for that, wait till next Sunday and give it to me. But our new question of the week, what is your favorite urban legend? You can uh, call, text, or leave us a voicemail at 606-373-3396. At 606-373-3396. You can also email myself, Goose, at heretochewbubblegum.com. Or you can email Cronkite. Cronkite at heretochewbubblegum.com. Again, our question of the week, what is is your favorite urban legend. And don't forget special guest, uh, spiritual healer and psychic medium, Richard Miles, will be on the show next week. Uh, We're going to start out. Cronkite's got the list of listener email. Uh, We had a lot of email this week. I pulled, uh, I think, about four. We also have more text this week. So uh, I've got that. Cronkite, start us out with some listener email. All right. So James from, uh, James from Indiana said, Hello, I was curious as to what Cronkite found in regards to the home uh, homework he had. Uh, what is the season that is most reported for UFO encounters? Well, we talked about that. In the last know, segment. Yeah, yeah, and so it was. Uh, it's, it's really not... It, it just depends. I I'm mean, still going to say summer. You know, I'm right. I, I'm, I'm, I've still got to go with winter because it, it, this time, this part of the world, uh-huh. it goes. I think it goes winter. But you've got more people out in the summer. You do, but the, you have longer periods of dark time in the winter. In the winter, uh, I don't know. All right, uh, <laughs> listener text. Uh, this one is from Wally. He says, "I live near England and think you should do a show on crop circles." Uh, you know, I'm years ago I was, and, and I guess I still am interested in crop circles. Uh, I saw a show years ago where they showed how a guy made him with a board and a mm-hmm. rope. Uh, that kind of took a little bit of the magic out for me. Uh, you know, in our area we don't have a lot of crop circles. Uh, we don't have a lot of crops. No. Uh, but you know, yeah, that's something we could definitely do. Uh, we did have a lot of comments, and I didn't print any of these off on the segment that we did a few weeks ago where listeners emailed subjects and uh we we uh i talked about them uh we may be doing that again in a couple of weeks with me and you talking about them okay uh basically how that worked uh, hopefully you've listened to that show i did okay uh well, good because i was just making making sure that you listened and, <laughs> of course I listened. you know uh <laughs> well basically how that works is you know you can email us call or text us mm-hmm. and leave us a subject idea that you want us to talk about we'll do a little research and talk about it we may do that segment in a couple of weeks that'd be exciting go ahead and read a say so katrina from florida wrote uh here my to chew- favorite state yeah it's a nice place uh here to chew bubblegum.com or i found that i am a new listener and i have listened to all of your shows I've had a few UFO encounters and will message back describing them sometime. Looking well, that, forward that, to that. That is awesome. Thank you yeah. very much, Katrina from Florida. Please do message back. Uh, our next listener test, text, text, listener text is from UFO Lover. My prediction for 2021 is that the existence of UFOs will be acknowledged on a worldwide scale by one or more appearing at the same time over different parts of the world. Now, that is an awesome prediction. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that happening. I know you probably think we've got that happening now with the monoliths and stuff. I believe we do. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still on the fence. I'm still not convinced. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, uh, you know, I, I used to do uh, woodworking. I like doing that. It was relaxing. They are well put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't just by looking at them, and I'm not. 
you know, I'm a, I'm very shade tree when it comes to woodworking. I can't figure out what kind of material is that shiny. You can make um, you can make stainless that shiny. Aluminum okay. will get that shiny. Like if you buffed it yeah, and waxed yeah. it and all that. But all right, so yes, okay. The California and the Pittsburgh they may be hoaxes, right? Uh, because it's been out there long enough now that people are starting to kind of catch on. Maybe maybe do this on there, but. Utah and Romania, those are what those are what got me because there was nothing around Utah. Mm-hmm. Nobody kn- knew. Well, that one got me too because if you do a little research, there were older pictures I think from like four years mm-hmm. ago or something like that where you could see it. Yeah, and 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 then uh, the only reason that it was down was because some people took it out of there. Uh, Romania, same way. I, I, and there was such a close time at. at time together and they only stayed up at the, you know around the same time right. once we realized now, they were there how far was the first one in utah from uh, skimwalker ranch oh i don't know i'll have to check out it was, it was in the southeastern uh so i'm now is that the same area that skimwalker ranch i think is that's in? pretty close to the same area i think i can find out real quick yeah yeah go ahead uh, while he's doing that i'm going to read uh, the next listener text from timothy Hello, Goose. I hope that all is going well. I love the show and started listening your second week. You mentioned last week or a few weeks ago that you may do a live show. How's that going? And do you have any updates or progress to report? When can we expect a live show? I also like the two-man show that you and Cronkite did last week. Is this a new format? Can we expect this in the future? Well, that is a lot of questions. Let's go back. Uh, yes, we are still... Trying to do a live show, uh, we have been in contact with with a local radio station, and possibly January in our area, we may be, uh, or the first part of next year, uh, have a four-show trial deal that's still ongoing. As far as us doing a live show, that is something that we look forward to do, and hopefully we will do it within the next three months. Uh, we mentioned in the beginning of the show, uh, the uh, December 16th midweek edition, uh, we will do a video show of that that we post on our uh, YouTube page, and it will also be posted on the Edge Studios page. Um, so you can expect a live show maybe in the next two to three months. Uh, yes, this is a new format, and yes, you can expect more of this in the future. Uh, Cronkite is on the payroll, and he will be here every Sunday. And uh, if you can't, we will make adjustments and record the show on a different day. And uh, he, uh, I have him punching a time clock in and out. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> slave driver. Oh yes, yes. So, do you have an answer? How far is the Utah thing from Skinwalker Ranch? Oh, it I'm is coming up as we speak. You know, I was going to be nice and not give you a homework assignment, but if you want, you can just go ahead and have a homework assignment. You know, that might be better because okay. You know, me dealing with this Google box right now is not so. Working. So you're basically <laughs> saying that you're older, you can't figure stuff out as fast as you think you can no, in your mind. No, not at all. Not I'm going to say, <laughs> and I've not researched this. I'm going to say it's probably in the same area, not 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 too far <clears throat> from Skinwalker Ranch. I think I think you might be right because I know Skinwalker Ranch is on the eastern side of Utah. Yeah, I believe so. And I'm thinking I read an article that said that the monolith was the southeastern area. So it would be. Fairly close. Yeah, close. Yeah. So, well, you do have a homework assignment. Uh, How far is 
The monolith location in Utah from Skimwalker Ranch. I can do it. All right. Read us your next listener email. All right. Marty from Kansas emailed, What do you think about the recent monolith that keeps appearing and disappearing from various places? Well, we kind of just talked about it. Yes, we did. (laughs) We have very intuitive listeners. I think think we've got a little ESPN going on here with our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, definitely, (laughs) definitely. Uh, Connie from Texas uh, asked. Well, are you, are you going to I, I know we talked about that, but just real quick. I'm oh. still on the fence, and he um, thinks it's 100% real. I, well, I think. He also believes in the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus. Mm, I certainly do. <laughs> anyway, the uh, I, you know, just to kind of go back over, I think Utah and, uh, and Romania are real. And I think that California and Pittsburgh possibly could be hoaxes. Now, did you say that because one in Pittsburgh's near a candy store? No, I said, you got these kids that hang out by the candy store. <laughs> hey, let's put a monolith over here. Well, the reason I say that is because Utah and Romania are basically out in the middle of nowhere. Now, did you see the picture on Facebook of Bigfoot actually placing a monolith out in the forest? I, th- I think that's a little made up. I don't. I don't really. Yeah, I think somebody photoshopped that. Oh, <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a little more research on that. So, now, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of think, you know, Utah's in the middle of nowhere. Romania was pretty much in the middle of nowhere also. Mm-hmm. But these other two places have been kind of populated. Right. So that's, that's kind of the difference. Right. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm still on the fence. I'm still. The one in Utah, I'm leaning more towards that one where, it's, where it had been there for so long mm-hmm. uh, before somebody found it. You know, because you can Google Earth the area, and I think it was 2016 was the first time it was noticed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where it came from. Um, why would a UFO put these out? That's that's the million dollar question, and for the life of me, I don't know if 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 they're easily removed. If now the one in Utah, could you see all the way through it when it was knocked down? I don't know okay. because because the, there was there was video taken they said but I haven't been able to find the video. The only thing that came to my mind is when they first started talking about it and they didn't know where it come from. I was thinking, you know, that could be like a you know how we send out satellites and stuff. Mm-hmm. That could be you know, but why would they put it in the middle of nowhere? Well, you know, all right. So if you, I kind of think maybe it might be a communication device, right? An antenna of some kind, maybe tra- uh, transferring atmospheric readings or, or whatever um, to That's actually a good idea. I to whoever, you know, and you put these things in various parts of the world or whatever, you know. Again, the California and the Pittsburgh, I don't know if there if there are hoaxes. I'm kind of leaning that way I'd myself. I'd like to see pictures of the, of the Pittsburgh one. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. Read us your last email there. All right, so Connie from Texas uh, asked, uh, hello, Goose and Cronkite. Happy ber- happy holidays, not birthday. Sorry. Happy birthday. <laughs> My prediction is for 2021 is that the California, I think that California will experience a huge earthquake sometime next year. Keep the new shows coming. Well, I'd, uh, you know, I would, I hate natural disasters. I hope that you're not right. But thank you very much for emailing us, Connie. Uh, the last listener text is from the 80s forever. <laughs> I'd like to hear a tribute show to the 80s. All right. Uh, 80s shows, I guess 80s like shows or movies, with news, UFO movies, and other themes that could tie into the show. I also like the show that featured the email listener topics that you recently did as well. That's what we were just talking mm-hmm. about. And if you heard a little thing in the background... Uh, Somebody forgot to turn their cell phone on vibrate. I won't say any names, but it wasn't me. Mine goose. is on vibrate. It was goose. 
No, it was not. Uh, that is a great idea. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the 80s. I think you are as well. I was born in the 80s. Uh, that makes sense. Well, I was pre-80s. Uh, <laughs> name. Let's let's have a little contest right now. All righty. Uh, name a movie from the 80s that has to do with UFOs or aliens. You go and then I'll go. Uh, was Encounter of the Fourth was Encounter of the Fourth Kind? I think that might have been the, the late seventies. Oh, oh, or from the. All right, I'll go. E. T. Ah, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> all right, and you can name a TV show too. Um, there was a show. Uh-huh. V, uh, v. 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 V was, was an awesome yeah, show. That was an awesome show. All right, Starman. That's a movie and TV show. Hmm. Uh, Alf, my stepmother is an alien. Uh, Battery's not included. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Battery's Uh, not included. I remember that one. What was that? There was one, what, Mac and Me? Yeah, yeah. Man, Battery's not included. That was a good one. uh, I like the way you start out. There was that show that had that one guy on it. Yeah, that that one fellow that was a a reptile or something. Uh, That that guy. (laughs) V was a good show. It really was. Actually, was a uh, remake of that show. Uh, was there? Yeah, maybe like ten years ago. It it wasn't as good. Mm. Uh, Kenneth Johnson uh, wrote the uh, book and did the first show originally. V. Uh, that was a. That, I'm 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 full of nerd facts, man. It's uh, okay. I, I, that show, my dad actually turned me on to that show um, years ago when it it didn't first come out. They yeah, they, they had it on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. And they played it for so long. And that was a uh, that was actually oh Star Trek. Oh, aliens and Star okay, Trek. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'll give you that. Star yeah. Wars. Star Wars. Uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a good one. That is a good one. Uh, did I say Alf already? You said Alf. I said Alf. I said Starman. Uh, Alienation. Hmm. Okay. Um... We could go all day doing this. Yeah, we could. Uh, thank you very much, Cronkite, for being here this week. Don't forget our new question of the week. What is your favorite urban legend? You can call, text, uh, or leave us a voicemail by calling 606-373-3396. 606-373-3396. You can always email me, goose, at here to chewbubblegum.com or, or Cronkite at here to chewbubblegum.com. Don't forget, coming up next week, our special guest will be Richard Miles. He is a spiritual healer and psychic medium. Also, want to uh, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Uh, Luke Fugit uh, will be updating the website soon, posting I think a blog and maybe a video blog. Not to give anything away, but when I talked to him a little bit yesterday, he was asking me about other dimensions. So mm. that's something I am fascinated with. Don't forget, we will have a video blog of the Midweek Moment coming up on December 16th. That's exciting. That's very exciting. That's exciting. You get to see my face. I have to shave that day. <laughs> As always, I want to thank Carlin for all the voiceover work and music from Flannery. I want to thank James Smith from The Edge Studios and for being the special guest on this show. Also, I want to thank the Creepy Kentucky and Uncle Bill and ST3B over at deadpit.com. Everyone, have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday. Say bye-bye, Crockett. Bye-bye, Crockett. Have a good week.
for listening to Here to Chew Bubblegum. Tune in next time as we dive deeper into things the government doesn't want us to know. <laughs>